I still, I remember the moment and the words wow. I said and accepting Jesus into my heart when I was five. Um, and I feel fortunate. Um, I used to feel bad, like, oh, I don't have a bragamony or testimony and like some crazy story to tell, you know? Yeah. But now I realize that I, it's the best thing ever because I've never had swayed away from the faith. Welcome to What's the Story? My name is Matt Edmondson and this is a podcast full of stories about faith and courage from everyday people. And today I'm chatting with the waving man on screen, if you're watching, Jared Mitchell, about his Christian journey, challenges he's faced, what life is like in business uh, and lessons he has learned along the way. But before we get into all things with Jared, one of the things that I love to do uh, is give a shout out to past guests and episodes. So make sure you check out the live stream that we did where we asked the question, what does the Bible say about work? Awesome, awesome live stream. That was really enjoyed that one. And check out the What's the Story podcast episode that we did with a chap called Brett Curry, who is a good friend uh, of Jared's. Uh, and that one was called How My Mum Dying of Cancer Drew Me Closer to God. Uh, one of the most downloaded episodes uh, of our podcast, actually. Uh, you can find these in our entire archive of episodes uh, and live streams on our website for free at www.whatsthestorypodcast.com. And whilst you are there, be sure to sign up for our newsletter. And each week we will email you these links along with the notes and the links from conversations like the one we're going to have today with Jared. They come direct to your inbox, totally free. All amazing. Yes, it is. Now, this episode is brought to you by Crowd Online Church. Yeah, you know what? Not everybody wants to go to church. I get it. And not everybody can get to a church building. And this is where online church works super well. It is a safe space to explore the Christian faith. And the thing that I love about Crowd Church is that you get to join in the conversation and you get to shape it. They don't just talk at you. Super cool. So if you've never been to church before, or if you're looking for a new church, why not check out Crowd Church? The website is www.crowd.church, or you can email me directly at matt at crowd.church with any questions. I'd love to help and answer them. Oh, yes. Now, let's talk about Jared. Jared, what a legend this man is, right? Uh, Jared is married to the beautiful Elena, and they are successful fanpreneurs, which is a word I just absolutely love. I don't know if you made it up, but it's awesome. Uh, they've got a thriving online skincare business in the US called skincarebyalana.com, and they've been happily married for almost 19 years, coming up to the big two zero. Oh, yes, two fab kids, Malachi and Eli, Hello boys, if you're listening, uh, they live and work in Orange County, California. That's Jared and Elena live and work in Orange, uh, <laughs> Orange County. The boys, not so much. They live there, but I don't, I don't think they work unless, I don't know, maybe they do things differently in Orange County. Anyway, I am super curious to get in this conversation with Jared and I'm really keen to dig into his story. So welcome, my US brother. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. Great to have you here. How are we doing? We're doing good. Thanks for having me. It's going to be hard to follow up after Brett Curry. I tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> I think you and Brett have got a serious bromance going on. Whenever I talk to Brett, he's just like, Jared, he's my man, man. And then 
and then you you just you, you just you, you're each other's biggest fans which i really like actually it's quite quite a lovely thing i'm definitely his fan because i mean he what does he have like eight kids yeah eight kids. Life. like i you know i can't do anything as good as him <laughs> it's impossible <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah, maybe I don't know. Can you surf better than he can? I think you probably can, can't you? Uh, but Barely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brett's great, actually. Uh, Brett's a, a legend. Do check out that episode if you've not heard it. I really enjoyed that conversation. Such a cool guy. Um, but you're pretty cool as well, Jared. You know, uh, it's worth telling the listeners actually that um, I mean we've known each other because of our mutual connections in the world of e-commerce in the world of business uh, but this no last year because we're in the new year now in 2022 uh, Zoe my daughter and I we flew out to the states uh, on this mammoth dad and daughter trip uh, and we flew 12 hours in a very cramped airplane and our first stop was uh, to come spend a couple of days with you guys it was the first time we'd met um, we'd been on the plane, we stank, we were jet-lagged, and you were very kind and gracious to us, and it was lovely to get to meet you guys and the family. Yeah, I hope you guys come out again soon, too. That was like a highlight for us to host you guys, for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was uh, it was, it was was an awesome trip, man, and, and you guys are super kind. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to this uh, conversation. So, you live... Uh, in a beautiful part of the world, very close to the beach. You're a bit of a surf dude, right? Have you have you always been a surf dude? Um, yeah, it, it kind of depended on where I, I moved a lot or, uh, growing up, you know, mm -hmm. over the like San Diego, Texas, San Clemente, Oregon. But uh, <laughs> beach, the only place middle of the I states, yeah, yeah, the only place I didn't surf was was Texas. But yeah, I've always been a little bit uh, obsessed with with the ocean and truth be told i did just get out of the water about an hour ago <laughs> <laughs> yeah that does not surprise me uh, if tim bond is listening uh, who's a very good friend of mine he pastors a church over in jersey the small island off the coast of england not new jersey uh, you and him are so similar just the love for surfing and in fact if you're watching the podcast on youtube on the wall behind you i'm assuming that's a surfboard Oh yeah, it is. You know what? I could do this too. Cause this is kind of cool. This is the first board, whoops, wrong way that I ever learned to surf on. Wow. Yeah. And so I kept it somehow by the grace of God over the years, it survived. And <laughs> I thought it'd be cool to hang up my surfboards on the ceiling. Yeah. Yeah. And then also I wanted to show people how cool I was when I was a kid. So I put all <laughs> my soccer trophies. And I thought that'd be really like get me ahead in the business world when I show people like the office, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. All your yeah. trophies, they'd be like, man, this guy knows how to achieve. He's legit, you know? Totes, totes legit. But did you say they were soccer trophies? Yeah, yeah. Uh, for example, um, first place, Division 5, uh, 1993. Wow. That was a good year. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd, for, for some, this is one of those things I didn't know about you. I didn't realize you got soccer trophies. I didn't think anybody played soccer in America before, like, I don't know, maybe five years ago. Yeah, I, I, I don't know how to play it anymore. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to go see one of those games. It, it seems like a lot of fun. You know, you fill the stadium up. People are going yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. Should when you come over to the UK, we'll go watch Liverpool play. 
Um, okay. Yeah, I've just, I've just alienated most of our English listening audience. Liverpool, why oh, Liverpool? No. Yeah, well, they it's a big like deal. Them. Yeah, no, it is. In terms of which football team you support over here, it's, it's you know, it's, they often say that football over here, is, or soccer as you would call it, is like a religion. So, you know, it's, um, yeah, you have to be careful with who you affiliate with. <laughs> okay. Anyway, we'll go watch a Liverpool game. Uh, so let's start with... Um, your journey to faith then. How did you become a Christian? Were you like, uh, were you surfing the waves one day and angels appeared to you as you were cresting the waves or was it a little bit more straightforward? Uh, I would say more straightforward. Um, I think <laughs> it really started for me. Um, my parents accepted Jesus during a movement out here that was going on, which ended up being a Calvary Chapel movement called the Jesus Movement. Mm -hmm. And they accepted Christ when they were in college and dating, and they were married soon after and had kids young. And right off the bat, they just, every Sunday it was church. And at the time, we were going to Horizon Christian Fellowship in San Diego. Mm -hmm. And my teacher, Miss Peggy, who I used to call Miss Piggy, but she didn't mind. <laughs> um, well, she didn't just, mind. Yeah. Wow. And, and, she was the neatest old lady, and she asked one Sunday if we wanted to accept Jesus. And I was five years old, and I still I remember the moment and the words wow. I said and accepting Jesus into my heart when I was five. Um, and I feel fortunate. Um, I used to feel bad, like, oh, I don't have a bragamony or testimony and, like, some crazy story to tell you know yeah but now i realize that I, it's the best thing ever because i've never had swayed away from the faith and i've mm. grown up and consistent about it sure it's not perfect at times mm -hmm. yeah but, um, but yeah i've always uh had that faith in christ wow so i i'm from five years old that's a pretty i mean you know it's a long old time isn't it so what was it like for you growing up then in the church in the states at the time was it quite i mean i i you know i i live in the uk and you hear various different things don't you uh, all over the world and um, was it quite strict was it quite fair i'm just kind of curious what kind of environment it was that you grew up in yeah i wouldn't trade it for the world um it was strict mm. um at times it was unfair but um I just remember getting really into like Christian heavy metal bands in the eighties. Okay. And there was this one band called Petra. And then yes. there was this other, <laughs> there's this other group of like power lifters that used to go around the nation, tearing phone books and running through yeah. ice called power team. Mm -hmm. And I, I just realized when I was like a kid, I was like, this can be really cool. This can be just as cool as not being a Christian, if not cooler. And mm -hmm. so I, I chose to like embrace the things that at the time that I thought were cool about the culture and the music. And I saw also, I was able, I felt like God from a early age gave me uh, through the Holy Spirit, just the ability to look at some of my friends at the public school and their situations. Yeah. I remember vividly in Texas, it was a little bit of a rougher school situation. And I remember vividly there was things such as a, a girl came into class when I was in the second grade and she had bruises all over her face. And I remember her telling the teacher that her mom was beating her with a broom. I and I, yeah, I remember um, this other kid in the class, the kid in second grade who was already cussing um, and he was 
talking foul mouthed about different situations that were very inappropriate for anyone to talk about at mm. class. And I just remember experiencing these things and, and knowing that's not what I wanted for my life. And I was thankful that's not what my experience was. Mm. Wow. That's pretty intense. Uh, so, so you, you grow up in this sort of Christian faith, you grow up in a Christian family, various situations go along. And then um, what are some of the key milestones for you then uh, during this journey? Or, or is it all fairly straightforward until you hit college and then? Mm. I, I'm a big fan of trying to mark the defining moments in our lives. Mm -hmm. And I think when you're a follower of Jesus, the defining moments are more significant. I just feel yeah. that way. I think that the first one is when you accept Jesus in your heart and, and fully understand it. Mm -hmm. I think another one for me was uh, when I requested to be baptized soon after. Yeah. 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 yeah I think that's a really neat experience and milestone. I think another one comes sometimes around the point where you're turning into a man and you have to make the decision of what you want for yourself as far as, you know, sexually or um, substance wise, when yeah. the kids at school are getting into that stuff and you have to decide if you're going to partake or not, mm -hmm. or if you're not going to do it. And if you're not going to do it, why? Because they're going to ask you and you're yeah. going to need to say something to them. Um, so I think that those are the first three that you really have to consider. And then mm. from there, for me, it, it was uh, marriage, um, probably choosing like, you know, college career and um, having children. So d were you married before you go to college or are you married? Uh, at, at when, when did that happen in the, in the, in the timeline? Yeah. Um, I went to college at Biola University in La Mirada, California. That stands for Biblical Institute of Los Angeles. Okay. And I, I really felt God had called me to go there despite um, other schools wanting me to play sports there, even for scholarships. And oh, wow. so I had um, chosen Biola and I don't regret it. Mm -hmm. um, and that is where I met my wife, Elena, who also felt the same calling on her life. There's a there's an interesting thing on your LinkedIn profile. I don't know how true this is actually. I've never asked you, um, but it says on there that you met Elena after she tipped salad into your lap. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. That's a that's the best way you can meet a man. It's <laughs> <laughs> just so. literally going pour salad over them. We're going to get right to the point here. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I'd seen her walking around. I, I'm not a very social person. I'm a little bit more introverted unless I'm at work than I have to be extroverted. I feel like, mm. but uh, she tells a story where like she was passing me on the sidewalk and I looked the other way and went the other way and like purposely avoiding her. I, I think my philosophy was I'm going to pray about this and <laughs> you know, if there's a girl that comes into the equation, you know, sure, I'll ask her out. And so mm. I'd had my eye on her, as I'm sure many of the other guys at my school did. Um, and I'd seen her. We had mutual friends in the cafeteria looking for a place to sit. And something 
I was talking to a friend and something uh, told me to go grab a table. So I picked up a table and brought it over, which um, they all sat at and the tables were heavy. I'm kind of a bigger guy. And so it kind of like, I didn't mean to draw attention, but it kind of like drew attention. <laughs> and I was like, whatever. So I just sat down and she was next to me and instantly there was this really cool connection. She did uh, spill salad in my lap, but it, that definitely was not why I asked her out later. It, we got along right away mm -hmm. and it was the strangest experience, Matt, because we didn't know this at the time, but we had both been praying in college, Lord, just show us, I don't want to date anymore. I'm, I'm over it. Like, show me the person that you want me to be with and make it clear. Mm -hmm. And we were on the first date. And the only way I could describe it was being with her was like, I, I never had sisters, I only had brothers. But it was like being with someone who was like my sister, like someone I literally knew my whole life. Mm. And we had just met. Mm. Oh, wow. So the sparks fly. Uh, as they say, the sparks fly. They still do after 19 years. <laughs> it is funny, actually, because um, I think I've mentioned this to you before, is uh, the way Zoe, my daughter, refers to you to, to you guys. You went, I, I remember I, a couple of weeks ago, I said, Zoe, I'm chatting with Jared later. And she went, Jared, the, the guy with the hot wife. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, I'm, I'm sure he will appreciate you saying that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, she um, is, she is beautiful lady. Yeah, yeah, and um, we we have this phrase here in the UK. I don't know if it translates, but punching above your weight. Oh yeah, big time. Yeah, I, I, I even I understand that one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you 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 go to college, you get married. When did the business start? Was that quite early on in your marriage? Uh, yeah, it was. Um, I was playing music for a living in a band. Mm -hmm. um, and I had started a decking business because when we were not touring or in the studio, I could make some money. I didn't want to surf all day. <laughs> you know. And, and she's like, you know, what should I do? And her and her mom have always been entrepreneurs. And her mom owns a chain of used to own a chain of spas, salons and haircutting stores in Northern California. And she mm -hmm. said, go get your esthetician license. You can do facials and make hundred bucks an hour. Back then that's maybe more like 200 or $300 an hour now. But uh, when you're newly married and just uh, starting out, we were like, yeah, let's do it. And so yeah. um, she started that business. And as soon as the housing market tanked the last time, mm -hmm. my decking job started falling away. And she said, why don't you start a website? Um, and I had a little bit of experience building one with my decking business, mm -hmm. but I didn't know anything about e-commerce. So I was like, okay, Lord, um, that's a good idea. Why don't we just try it? I can build her one. I built my decking business and, mm -hmm. and it was like so weird cause I just got out of the water and back then we didn't have any money. So I went to Costco and out here in the States, Costco at the time, it was like a slice of pizza for like a quarter and a hot dog yeah, and a Coke yeah, for like yeah. 50 cents. So I had my own meal deal there. I called it where you get the hot dog and a slice of pizza and a Coke. And you, you know, it's like, you're out of there for a dollar, you know? Mm -hmm. um, fantastic. I can't eat that way anymore. Just so you know. It's yeah. No, no one can. Once they, once, they, once you sort of pass 25, that's it. Yeah. 
<laughs> man. Um, yeah. So as I was walking through Costco on the side, there was this flyer, how to build a website. Oh, wow. This is literally the story. It's so funny. And I grabbed the flyer and I went home and I used it <laughs> to build a website. <laughs> Fantastic. Just followed it step by step. Yeah. So there wow. it is. So the website then, Skincare by Alina, starts um, and it's a skincare site. So you just you start just throwing different skincare products on there, right? And does it, um, I mean, we don't need to get in the business side too much, but I'm just kind of curious. You've been doing this, what, about 15 years now, haven't you? And so did it take off straight away or did it, um, did it sort of trickle for a little bit and then it took, it took a little while before it sort of caught everyone's imagination? Yeah, it took off right away. It was like wow. wildfire. And it wasn't even, I didn't even know how to build a shopping cart. We did all call to order at first. <laughs> I just figured out how to list products on pages, how to build a website, how to do SEO. And then I figured out how to use Google. Someone told me Google was a big search engine. So they had a, a wizard at the time that brought you through Google AdWords, which is how people advertise yeah. on Google. And I figured that out. And then we decided let's go on a vacation. So we went to visit my parents in Oregon and I turned on the ads and I put it to her cell phone and it started ringing off the hook and it just took off. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So here you are, you're still, um, you've got your business. In fact, when we came over, you just moved premises, hadn't you? And um, all that was going on. So I'm, I'm kind of curious, you're building a business, you've got your family, you're, you're growing family. Um, is life all sunshine and rainbows or are there, are there some sort of challenges along the way that you, that you guys have to deal with? Hmm. I think about that a lot because I felt like the first 12 years or so of the business was not all sunshine and rainbows. There's a lot of really tough times there, but I also think, well, we still have tough times. I'm, I feel better equipped now yeah. to deal with it for what it really is. Um, we even just had one pop up this morning where I had to tell myself that hasn't happened yet. Um, and God has you, mm. you know, like he's had you this whole time, you know, what you're doing what he wants you to do because he'll make it clear if you're not. Mm -hmm. And, um, I still have those moments each day, but I tell you what, figuring that out for the first 12 years and the blood, sweat and tears when you're someone who didn't think that God created you to be like an entrepreneur and like a boss and like a leader oh, wow. Wow. is intense. I was supposed to sit at a desk all day like my dad. Wow. You know? So that's a clash of identity then, isn't it? That's, um, it's not even a clash of identity. That's not, that's not understanding your identity, I guess, at this point. Correct. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So how did you, um, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? I think as you go through your Christian walk, as you go through your Christian life, I think one of the things that happens, I've been bringing a Christian a little while now, and certainly a Christian entrepreneur, um, is your, your identity kind of unfolds the deeper into the journey you go. 
you know, it's not like one day you wake up and, oh, I'm the most secure person on the planet now. Thank you very much for that, Lord. Uh, it's not like there's a magic wand sort of wave, but you, you sort of figure things out as you go along. So I'm kind of curious, what are the key things which have shifted in your thinking then from, you know, when you started the business to where you are now? Hmm. The business taught me that I had a big problem with anxiety. Okay. And yeah. I didn't know that I had that um, until the business started falling apart during this mm -hmm. one season we had. And that was a really difficult time for me um, because I didn't know I had it. I mm -hmm. didn't understand it. I didn't know what to do. Um, so yeah, I, I think I had to learn all about it. And mm -hmm. I went on medication for a while. I tried everything. I mean, everything, including medication and all sorts of therapies and this and that. And I realized that I'd been actually struggling with this for as long as I could remember. I was just used to it. I was normal. Mm -hmm. I remember like in high school getting ready for like wrestling matches mm -hmm. and in uh, the U.S., collegiate wrestling in high school um you're wearing like nothing you're wearing like a singlet and you got to go out there in front of your high school yeah. okay you're like ages 15 18 or whatever you know half naked and wrestle another dude and yeah. just you two yeah and it's you want to talk about like everything on the mm -hmm. line you mm -hmm. know that was the experience. And I just remember before those matches, like not only before them, but like the whole week before, the whole year before, just like being so anxious that I, I literally couldn't even perform, you know? So to this day, I'm like, I wish I never did wrestling, but it was probably one of the best things for me. So um, fast forward in the business world, mm. we were going through this time where I thought we were gonna lose a business. Uh, Google gave us a penalty. Um, we had gone through a website platform migration, which was butched and botched, yeah. you know, just yeah. terrible time. And um, there's some other things that sort of were thrown on at the same time. And so, yeah, I, how I handled it, I, uh, of course, was trying everything I could, but I ended up going and getting some therapy, getting some help. Mm -hmm. um, and then I, he's since gone to be with the Lord, but one of the mentors that I ended up working with had a profound impact on my life. And I think was really the key factor at helping me overcome that stage. We all call him Dr. Ron and he's, he was the coolest guy ever. He died of cancer a few years back. Um, but uh, he is the one that taught me how to deal with it and get through it. And one of the things that he did is he said, you know, when you're going through these deepest, darkest moments, mm. you know, how are you going to fight back? How are you going to fight back for the kingdom? So what I did is I started taking a big part of my business day and devoting it to prayer. And that got kind of boring, to be honest, because like if you <laughs> pray alone by yourself for an hour yeah, yeah. a day, yeah. it could be kind of gnarly, right? So I thought, let me start inviting some guys and some friends in. And it turned into this really cool season before we had kids where we'd meet up sometimes three or four times a week every morning at our office and just pray over each other's lives. Mm. So 
throughout this process, I was able to sort of overcome my anxiety in a sense, Mm -hmm. understand it. Um, And the fruit of everything that came out of all those times we spent together in prayer over each other's lives was like incredible, not only for me, but also for the other guys involved. Yeah. No, fantastic. Fantastic. So how, how are you with the anxiety now? Um, I, th- I just feel, I, I don't think you're ever cured, you know, but mm-hmm. I feel so much better. Like the situation from this morning could have totally thrown me off. And there are times where I feel it, but I just feel like I have enough tools now, you know, to overcome it. The most importantly, I just, to your earlier point, the identity, remembering who I am, Yeah. like, I'm a child of God. I'm a priest. He has a plan for my life. Uh, Oh gosh, your business doesn't work out. (laughs) Big deal. You know, (laughs) like, (laughs) I don't know. It's like, there's so much more to life and I don't know, keeping my focus and priorities on the right things. I think for me is huge. Yeah. It's, um, it's interesting, isn't it? As you, as you get older, um, one of the things that I've noticed in me is I, if, because like you, we've had the odd occasion where you think, Christmas, I'm going to just lose everything. You know, the whole business is going to go under and I can't see a way out of this, but somehow God works his works his thing. Um, but I kind of came to the conclusion a few years ago and I, I, we were going through this particular time and I thought to myself, you know what, if we lose everything, I'm okay. Because God's still on the throne. It's not like if I lose the business, God's like not God anymore. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> he's, he's, he's still there. Uh, I think he still likes me, so I think we'll be all right. And um, I think for me, when I was thinking about it, I'm going, oh, that's a really interesting attitude to have. Do you know what I mean? It's a a bit sort of like, well, i got to hold on to these things lightly, which I'm supposed to. I think I would, the thing which concerned me more was not losing the business on my part, but all the families of the people that work with me. I think I was more concerned about that. And that, I think is one of the big changes that's happened in me from when I first started the business. Because when I was in my early 20s, I'm like, it's all about success. It's all about this. You know, let's take over the world, man. And uh, have a multi-million pound company and, you know, offices in New York, London and wherever. Um, and I remember my uh, pastor saying to me, Dave, um, who's also been on What's the Story, actually. You should listen to Dave's story. He's such a brilliant guy. Um, he, I remember him saying, you know what? Men before they're 40 are all about um, success. When you hit sort of 14, you, your attitude starts to change and you become all about significance, uh, which I thought was very, very insightful because that was my charting. I was all about success and it all became about significance. So how have you and Elena then, you, one of the things I love about you guys, and you don't see it a lot, right, is as a couple, you are running your business. I know you have a few other things outside of it and um, and I know you're not in the treatment rooms. I assume you're not in the treatment rooms doing facials for a hundred bucks an hour because who who would pay for that, right? <laughs> Just no. Um, so so I yeah, and you're working on the website. Alana's doing stuff over here, but together you're growing this business. You're sort of focused on your strengths. There aren't that many people I've met, Jared, like you guys, where as a married couple you are running a business together and happily married and the business seems to be functioning and communication has yet to break down. Um, 
how, how have you guys sort of juggled that over the years? Yeah, that has not always been easy either. We've recently realized how unique it is. And I'm mm -hmm. starting to actually see ads now. Um, they don't appear to be faith-based, but like fan preneurs, couple preneurs, because it's, you know, uh, becoming more common for wives and husbands to own and run businesses together. Mm. I mean, for us, what that meant was a lot of marriage counseling. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fair enough. I am like so thankful for it because I, the most important thing for us is boundaries. Mm -hmm. So we have like pretty strict rules that when we're at work, we just talk about work. And if we have like personal stuff to talk about, we try to take a lunch break together, you know, mm -hmm. and after work, like we get home and like we draw a line and we just focus on each other and the kids. Mm -hmm. That's a very big one that we had to learn because if you're crossing over those boundaries too much, it just becomes like really difficult yeah. to do both well. Um, I think I'm like so thankful for it now because I feel like it's made me like a better person and a husband to be able to figure out how to do both of them very well. Yeah. And I think in a relationship, we all have a tendency to be uh, very selfish and um, think about things in terms of 50-50, if you've heard that one. Mm -hmm. And that's just at home. And it's hard for me to remember, normal couples, they go home and they haven't seen each other all day. Yeah. For me and my wife, we've seen each other all day. And now I want to see her all day. I want to see her at work and at home. And you start the, that 50 50 mentality, we all go through it. And you start to think both at home and at work, what I'm better at and what she's not as good at. Like, <laughs> so like imagine doing that at home, but then imagine having to work with that person and mm. realizing in a business sense what they're good at versus bad at. I had this like mentality for years and through a lot of like, you know, counseling and stuff yeah. had to realize that like, I was really bad at stuff in both areas as well. Yeah, <laughs> I tend to like rush and execute and get a million things done. And she tends to not work as quickly and take her time and put more thought into it. And oftentimes she'll end up making a way better decision mm -hmm. than I would have in just getting it done. Mm -hmm. That's at work, right? You know, at home, um, she tends to be a little less organized. I'm more organized. And, you know, there's just these differences that we've really mm -hmm. had to work through. And I've had to realize I'm not better <laughs> because of some of these things. I'm just mm -hmm. different. Yeah. And we need each other and we need to complement each other in those ways. Yeah, that's such a powerful revelation, isn't it? Because it, your marriage isn't a competition. It's not like I have to be better than you. You have to be uh, to to win this this thing. Uh, but it, it is how I'm, I'm stereotyping. But of course, it's a, it, it is how a lot of men end up thinking that sort of competitive nature. And so this is why I'm intrigued, like how you guys have managed to make this work um, in the in the business arena that you have. So you guys went to marriage counselling, and I'm curious, what is What's the, the, the piece of advice that they gave you that sort of sticks out or transformed everything? Well, yeah, I'd start with the boundaries 
and mm. the 50-50 thing. Those were the two big ones that I think we really had to get through first. Another one for me is learning how to really listen and really connect, mm-hmm. which I thought I was like really good at, you know, Rico Suave, romantic, and this and that. But you can like do everything you want in a marriage. You can do flowers, you can do chocolates, you can do all this stuff. But if you're not able to connect in the way that she needs to connect, mm-hmm. you're not being a good husband, in mm-hmm. my opinion. And so we had to go through learning all the love languages. And if you don't, if you can't like recite your partner's love languages, mm-hmm. if you don't have it memorized, like to me, that's something you can work on right away. You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just buy the book, and, read it together. Just do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For me, that was very, very helpful. Like realizing that like she needs quality time and words of affirmation. And I actually need to be present while I'm giving them to her mm-hmm. and actually look her in the eyes and not be thinking about work or surfing or this or that. And she can tell if I am, <laughs> believe mm-hmm. me. <laughs> she knows. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean, bro. <laughs> That's, you just, you, they just know. I need to di- initiate date night at least once every couple weeks because it mm-hmm. means more if I do it and I take the time to plan something special. Mm-hmm. I need to initiate a quarterly getaway where it's just me and her and uh, my parents are watching the kids. And these mm-hmm. are some things that we do ritualistically mm-hmm. um, to make sure that our marriage stays fresh and we're mm-hmm. still in love. And I, I have to tell you, like, 19 years, like, I'm crazy about her. We've seen at least half the couples we graduated Bible school with get divorced at this point. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. The amount, of, Even in the church, the amount of people that get divorced, it's really sad, I think, actually. Um, but then it's, it's also sad when people stay together because they feel like they have to stay together, but they don't take the time to invest in the marriage. So it's a great marriage. And I think you know, there's a lot of people I know that have really great marriages. And I find that really inspiring because it's like, I can have a great marriage. I, I have to work at it. Like, I have, yeah, it just doesn't come, you know, there have to be things that I do. But I have a great marriage. And and that's such a life-giving thing, right? I, I, I don't know about you, but the, I just, that's my big thing. Uh, everything else, you can, obviously, you've got your faith, you've got your kids, but fundamentally i've got a i've got a great marriage and that just transforms everything i think it's something to be proud of i'm okay bragging about it to people (laughs) you know it it does feel boastful but i feel like you know what it's kind of uncommon like we've made Mm. it in like yeah i'm proud of it like we've worked hard and we have a good time and like Mm. people like say (laughs) we didn't know this we found out like our friends are like Sometimes we're the couple where like, they're like, oh man, they're like so in love. They're like PDA. They're like, think of us as this couple who's like really connected and we make them Mm. uncomfortable or something. We make them feel like they need to be another way. And it's not us trying to do any of that stuff at all. It's just us enjoying each other, you know? And it wasn't always like that. Like it's just very important, like years of, of, uh, therapy, blood, sweat, tears, mm-hmm. business, personal, working through the motions, kids up all night, you know, yeah. uh, it throwing their poop across the, 
you know, room on the floor. He's just like the, all the stuff, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it was when we were with you guys hanging out, um, I really enjoyed hanging out with you both. Cause you, um, it just felt really nice. Na- you reminded me a lot of me and Sharon and I just thought this is lovely is a couple who actually like to be with each other. Um, and that's, that's quite, that's quite nice. So let's dig into your kids a little bit. So yeah, the kids come along, um, were there any, any challenges there? I'll obviously throwing poop across the floor was annoying, not really a challenge, but what, what, what did you guys have to deal with? Yeah. You know, um, yeah, to me, uh, to me, our first son completely changed my life mm. and not maybe in the ways that people normally say, um, sure. You know, you walk out of the hospital and you don't know how to work the car seat and you feel like he's too small to bring home and you know, your whole life has changed and all that stuff. And, um, but at the age of roughly four or five years old, he was diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder. Mm-hmm. short ASD or people just call it autism oftentimes. Mm-hmm. And thankfully these days, um, it feels like there's more understanding around the diagnosis and what it means for a person. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think the word disorder is probably misplaced. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think there's some things that he can do better, but for us, that was a significant, just foundation shaking moment in our life where we had to realize that our first son had special needs and mm. it was serious. Mm. So I, I, let me just preface everything I'm about to say with, I've obviously met Malachi and, and the kid's just such a cool kid. Um, so how, how, how did you deal with that? I mean, your, your foundations are shaken um, with your, your first son. There's almost a grief, I guess, that you have to go through at this point. Um, what, how, how did you guys get through that? Yeah, it, it, I ask myself the same question often. Like, mm. how, did we, how did we get through that? I, I ask Elena that as well. Because before he was five, he had gastrointestinal reflux disease, GERD. Mm. And so he was, he would just wouldn't sleep. It was like, I think he'd maybe sleep like 20 minutes at a time. He was just screaming the whole time in pain. And it was just a a really difficult um, newborn experience up to that point. So at that point, when we're receiving that news, we're already in a place where we know there's something a little different about him. And we both have a lack of sleep. We're both probably uh, not doing well maritally, you know, because mm-hmm. of everything going on. Yeah. And we got this business and I got my anxiety and like all mm-hmm. this stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. So um, basically we heard that it, it shook our foundation because I think for me, this ties back into my testimony of like, okay, Lord, I accepted you when I was five. Mm-hmm. I wasn't going out. Friday, Saturday, Sunday nights and partying like my peers. Like I, I listened to your voice. I went to Bible school. Like you brought me this amazing wife like this. You, why are you giving me, why me? Mm. You know? So I, I reached for me, it was like, it got really deep. I reached this place of like, why, you know? And, um, for Elena, I mean, she'd have to answer for herself, but it was, 
it was it was so so hard for so many years i'm mm. talking lack of people that wanted to hang out with us because he wasn't normal they didn't want him around their kids we're talking mm. multiple different therapies we're trying every sort of therapy we can uh he must have gone to 10 different uh schools just to try to do like preschool or daycare so we could work yeah. and he just kind of kept getting kicked out really um, dealing with different doctors who all had different opinions, dealing with people who'd come up and just be like, yeah, you know, you shouldn't have given them all those immunizations and just <laughs> all the different theories, you know, yeah, all the helpful people. people. Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah. Uh, honestly, when we were younger, there was a, a point in time where I'm like, Elena, like, are we raising like a serial killer? Like, what is this guy's deal? Mm. Like I'd spend time with him. He would like bite me a lot. He had a biting issue. A lot of kids with ASD have that. Um, talking so much of a monetary investment, like I'm just like I don't know how we afforded all this stuff. Um, every oh my gosh! So every morning for about ten years, it was a struggle just to get him ready for school. Wake mm. him up, convince him to eat, brush his teeth. He would just sit there and just stare. And I, 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 I tried everything. I tried yelling at him. I tried massaging it. I tried like being nice, being mean, being angry, being loud, being quiet. And um, man, it was just an incredible struggle. And it's only something that you can really understand if you've had experience with it. You mm. can hear someone talk about it all day long and uh, it just doesn't register mm. unless you've actually been through it. Yeah, I can imagine. I, I mean, I'm I'm listening to you talk, going, man, that's got to drain every ounce of energy out of you in a lot of ways, right? Yeah, you're talking lack of energy, lack of sleep, lack of communication. Um, it really brings out your differences, your parenting difference um, mm -hmm. between yourself and your wife. I'm, everyone's got them, but it it just amplifies those, right? Um, it makes it hard to mm. enjoy those micro moments and those moments that you want to enjoy and those key moments in his life. Um, so it's, it's just, it's not as hard now where I feel like we're at the beginning of the happy ending now, Right. but I just, sometimes I look back and I just ask myself, I don't know how we got through it. Yeah. How did we do that? I think it's it's um, it's true of most parents, to be fair. But I imagine if having an autistic child is is um, is just throwing fuel to the fire. So uh, I'm 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 kind of curious here, Jared. If you if you could somehow magically teleport back um, a few years and have a conversation with yourself, what advice would you say to yourself um, that would get you through it? Yeah, man, I love that. What would I say? That question is catching me a little off guard. I feel like there's so many things that I'd love to say, but I think my biggest thing would be um, don't worry about the future or regret the past. One thing that I did right was I, I just developed a routine where I prayed over him every day and I read him every day. We are in the word every day. And we brought him to church. We made sure that he hung around the right people and the right friends. And 
it taught me an incredible amount of patience and selflessness, endurance, um, how to move slower mm-hmm. and just be more of a regular human being as opposed to some like supercharged <laughs> business guy. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was just so worried, Matt, about what is this kid? Is this kid going to be able to have a wife, have a mm. job? Is he going to be able to go to like college, like a regular school? He didn't go to regular school mm. for half of his life. We had to pay so much money to send him to a very nice school mm. that could help him the way that he needed to be helped. I was just so fixated on the future. I guess I'd go back and try to just give myself some assurance. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. Don't worry about tomorrow. Enough, uh, today's got enough trouble of its own. Um, uh, it's something that I often have to say to myself. <laughs> uh, it's, um, but it, I mean, is it, is it chalk and cheese now? I'm, I guess if someone's listening to the podcast, right. And they've got a similar experience with a young child who's maybe also autistic. Um, I wonder if they're sort of sitting there listening to you saying, oh, it's actually easier now um, and don't worry about the future. Um, but I, when I met him, when I met Malachi, it was, it was great. Um, and it, it, it seems like whenever I talk to you about your kids, you're always smiling, you're always beaming. It's, it's you know, you, you, your kids are a massive part of your life. Um, so I, I assume that change, is that, that has that been more in you maybe than him? Mm. Yeah, that's a good question too. I don't know. I think I, I think you're onto something there. <laughs> Probably. Or maybe yeah. that's more equal. I don't know. He's changed so much, so I can't discount all the ways that he's grown up. Um, you know, the update on mm. him is he's currently going to a neurotypical junior high. It is a Christian school. Um, so they do have help if he needs it, but he doesn't really need the help so much anymore. He's a mm-hmm. full blown sarcastic teenager. Now <laughs> um, he plays football and basketball with all the kids mm-hmm. in, in the sports leagues. He just scored his first basketball hoop the other day. Fantastic. He's, this semester, he's got all A's and B's. Um, he's, I've looked back at the things that he's accomplished along the way. He's, he invented and patented his own product. Um, <laughs> of yeah, course you he know, did. Why, why would he not? Yeah, I, surely every teenager's done that. Yeah, he's done these things that's like kind of amazing, you know, as I was sort of looking back. So he's definitely changed a ton and developed a ton. But I think to your question, I feel like it's changed me more mm. in better ways. And it's mm. all, I think, just the way that God uses these situations um, in our lives, whether it's a business, a marriage relationship, or, um, you know, situations like having a special needs son mm. um, to mold us and shape us continually over our entire life, no matter if you accepted Christ when you're five or 45, we're all on this journey and he's going to refine us through his fire. Mm. 
mm-hmm. in the way that he best sees fit for us. And that's what I think one of the most beautiful things is about having a relationship with Christ. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's fantastic. That's fantastic. So if you were to, um, uh, one of the questions I like to ask people is like, what's your one message? You know, what's the, the, the big key learning, the one thing. So if you had one opportunity to preach one sermon, what would be that? What would be that sermon? What would be the key takeaway from that point, uh, from that mm. message? Yeah, I don't think you want me preaching any sermons. I don't think that'd be a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I'd but, listen. Oh, thanks. Thanks, man. You and Brad. I'd have two people in the audience. Yeah, Maybe yeah, I would show you one. Yeah. My son, though, he'd be like, nope, see ya. Um, yeah, so uh, <laughs> uh, I no, I do love this question. I would probably give a sermon if someone forced me to, but um, I've been thinking a lot lately about Matthew 12 and the widow's offering. Mm-hmm. I have a friend who will go unnamed, and um, he baffles me because he's much older than me, but he's had a crazy life, bumpy life. He loves the Lord. And we happen to have kids that are the same age uh, mm-hmm. at the same school. And he, most of the time you will see him and he's wearing secondhand clothing. And um, he's always been kind of a quirky, strange guy, but a good friend. Mm-hmm. And over the years have gotten closer to him and his family. Well, as you do with anyone, you start learning more and more about people's personal lives. Mm. If you go to the same church and you're hanging out, your kids are hanging out at the park and this and that. Mm. And it turns out this one gentleman is um, extremely rich, wealthy. Mm -hmm. And it was the last person on the planet that I expected to have any sort of money because, I mean, I'm looking at car, house, kids. Yeah clothes and it's the opposite. Mm. And um, so I was reading through Matthew 12 and that's the widow's offering when Jesus basically um, a a widow, very poor widow comes up and donates two small copper coins worth only a few cents, you know, to the offering or Mm. offering box, whatever they had back then, you know, offering plate or whatever. And Jesus just said, you know, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all mm. others, right? Yeah. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. And so lately, what I've been thinking about a lot is, you know, we've all heard this before, God doesn't need our money. And just through some circumstances in our life lately, I thought, man, we all say that we all go to church, but at the end of the day, most of the people, at least here in Southern California, they still want the car. They still want Mm -hmm. the clothes. They still want the status power. They still want the house close to the beach, right? Mm -hmm. They still want it. Um, We know the last thing that God wants us to do is work more so we can give him more money. But we don't live that way, right? Mm -hmm. So lately, I've been trying to think of the same way. If God doesn't view our finances proportionally, I don't think he views our time that way either at Mm -hmm. all. And 
you may feel like you do or do not have a lot of money and you may be able to give all of it or none of it to the Lord, but what are you doing with your time? Yeah. And I think that he values the time way more Mm -hmm. than he does the money because that's how he lived his life. He spent time with people and time with his apostles and time with the poor, with the widows and the orphans. So if I had to preach any message, I would just say, hey, you know, in my life, in our life lately, what I've been trying to do is not even think about the money that I'm donating to this or that or whatever. What am I doing with my time? Mm -hmm. We do have spare time. Sure. Let's spend it with our kids. Let's run our businesses. Let's go to work. Let's spend it with the wife. But we do have time on top of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's just go surfing for another 10 hours. Like, no, you know, like find the balance. But I've been sort of like getting started by donating some of my time on Saturdays uh, to work with kids with special needs. Mm. And it's been the most rewarding thing that I think I could have ever done Mm -hmm. because it's time where literally I will sit apart and I'll be like, okay, Lord, show me what you want to, this is for you. Like, Mm -hmm. I know this kid needs me. We're going to go do X, Y, Z. Just this is out of praise, out of service. This is what I want to give, you know, and show me where to take it from here. Mm. So I don't know. I'm kind of like rambling a lot, but, um, for me, my encouragement to people, if you're listening to this, is to start thinking of things more along those terms. And if you're not investing in the kingdom in a way that you should be with your time, um, ask God, you know, where you should be mm. spending your time doing that. Yeah, very good. Super powerful, because I think it's one of the things that uh, in the modern culture, it's almost become a taboo topic. Do not challenge me about how I spend my time. Uh, you know, don't challenge me about how I spend my money and don't challenge me about how I spend my time because it's none of your business. Um, and don't ask me to do stuff because we've become a, I think we've become a culture of, um, what's the word I heard the other day? Atomization is the word I heard. It's a very fancy word. Uh, and we, we, become, we, we become these sort of breakaway, these individuals, and uh, we see it in the church actually more and more people are giving less and less time to church and we're using arguments like well i've got work pressures i've got family pressures i've got this that, and the other um, and they could be right they could be genuine they could be real they could just be an excuse i don't know i don't know your circumstances um but it is it is very insightful i think in terms of where culture modern culture is at in terms of that's what is happening and we see that happening in the church and what you're what you're in effect here what i'm hearing from you jared is the exact opposite it's it's like no no as christians we have to be intentional about using our time to build the kingdom of god um what are you going to do how are you going to use that time right and how are you going to use your talents during that time that's fascinating i really enjoyed that that was great you should definitely preach more bro (laughs) (laughs) well i think people just assume they have to go be a missionary or do some big thing and i was kind of i kind of had that mentality for a while too and the Mm -hmm. lord just showed me hey there you know first of all he's like what did my son do while Mm -hmm. he was on the earth and jesus just rolled around just serving people Mm -hmm. widows orphans anyone who had special needs cripple you know you know the whole deal right so i was like oh 
boom, like special needs. I got it. Like I can walk in a room now and like understand and figure out how to talk to these kids because of my own experiences with my son. Mm-hmm. And there are so many um, people with special needs in our area that are just, it's almost shunned. Like people are yeah. scared. of them. People have like mm-hmm. phobias and yeah. to be able to walk up and give them a big hug. And some of the things that I do with some of these, uh, some of them are kids, some of them are a little bit older. Um, it, you can't help but just smile the whole time. Yeah, I imagine it's immensely rewarding, isn't it? Super, super rewarding. Have you ever felt like in business that um, you were seen as an as an entrepreneur, as a business person, that your sole, the sole reason God gave you a business was so you could give copious amounts of cash to the church, for want of a better expression? Or have you kind yeah. of avoided that? I went through a period, a season where I, I was like, oh, I think that God's going to use me to give a boatload of money to X, Y, Z. And you know what? Um, maybe there's times where he has or hasn't. I'm not mm. concerned with that because I think where I've ended up is like he really just doesn't view money in terms of, you know, amounts. I just mm. don't really don't think he does. I think um, he makes sure we all have what we need, like the birds of the field Mm. field and also the ministries that you know he wants to survive Mm. um anyways i don't know if that answers your question though i'm sorry (laughs) no 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 not at all it's just really intriguing isn't it i mean a lot of businesses business people that i've met in church have sort of felt sort of pigeonhole in this oh you're in business we kind of in church we tolerate that as long as you give lots of money to the church over here kind of thing uh, which I think is is just crazy, um, but that's just me. Uh, we have, maybe that's a topic for another day. Jared, I'm aware of time, so I'm going to ask you my closing question, uh, which has left you confuddled uh, for the last hour. Um, the Oscars question. <laughs> Jared's like at the start. I don't know about the Oscars. Don't ask me about this. So the Oscars question is this, right? Uh, I want you to imagine you are at the Oscars. You have been given a Lifetime Achievement Award, you know, celebrating the life of Jared. It's like, go Jared. Yeah, all things Jared. Um, And you get chance to stand up and you say, listen, I just want to say thanks to X, Y, and Z because of the impact they've had on my life, right? It could be a church leader. It could be a family member. It could be an author of a book. It could be a music album. Who do you thank and why? Is this before or after the guy Will Smith comes up and slaps me? <laughs> so you do know about the Oscars. Uh, let's let's say pre-slap. <laughs> I like it when uh, there's this video going around of Jim Carrey accepting a Golden Globe. Mm. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen it. You got to Google it because he he gets up there, and I'm going to butcher this, so you, you're going to have to all check this out on your own. But he just says, you know, I'm not just Jim Carrey. When I wake up in the morning, I'm two time Golden Globe winning. <laughs> Jim, Jim Carrey, <laughs> and he ha- he goes on to like ten different things in this. Yeah. And, oh man, that would be so terrifying to be up there. And to, and then they they play the music when you start talking. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know, man. I I think I would just thank God, you know, and I'd probably try to figure out a way to do it where it was well received and um, people actually listened, you know. Yeah, right. Talk a little out. bit about yeah. talk a little bit about Jesus and and why I'm thankful and how I got there, mm. and then. Um, 
Yeah, I probably in my life would thank my parents and my grandparents mm-hmm. and probably some of my mentors. I don't know if you know who they are. I haven't mentioned them, but uh, I probably thank some of my mentors. And mm-hmm. first and foremost, I, I definitely, you know, wife and kids for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. totally. It's a really interesting question because sometimes when you ask this question to people, the answers they give you, you're just like, well, I, I would never have known that. Uh, and um, and so this is why I keep asking the question, the Oscars questions. It's now becoming known. So, um, but you're the first person to stand there and go, "Oh, that's terrifying! Don't want to do that." No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm not going. Somebody else can read this, read the speech. I'm not doing it. Uh, <laughs> man, that's awesome. Listen, man, if people listen to the podcast and they think that Jared Blake, he's kind of cool, or I've got some more questions, how do they reach you? What's the best way to connect? Yeah, uh, I'm on, on like Facebook and Instagram. My handle is Beefy Sites, which is an old <laughs> business I used to have. My nickname is Beefy, and I just kind of went for it. So Beefy Sites, and then or you can just email me. Um, my email address is Jared J A R E D. Then the word Donald, which is my middle name, like the duck, and then my last name Mitchell M I T C H E L L at Gmail. So Jared Donald Mitchell at Gmail dot com uh, not jared donald duck mitchell at gmail.com no. <laughs> <laughs> no somebody else has already got that uh, email address yeah uh, <laughs> brilliant jared listen man um we will of course link to your uh, stuff in the show notes which you can get for free and along with the transcript on the website uh the what's the story podcast.com website of course if you're signed up to the newsletter they're going to come wing in their way to your inbox uh, without too much drama uh jared you're a legend man thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story really enjoyed listening to it um uh and you're just you're just a top geezer uh really appreciate you just super inspiring with what you do with business with the family uh, and i love the fact that you're often in the sea surfing that's super cool you can teach me how to surf one day oh i'd love to you got to come out i'll take you right it's a little cold right now but it sounds like you have some surfing pretty close to your house up in the jersey area and and we can do it there too so yeah why not let's just let's go to jersey meet tim Tim, Tim and you, you get on great. Uh, so yeah, awesome. There you have it. What a great conversation. Huge thanks again to Jared for joining me today. Remember to check out Crowd Online Church at www.crowd.church, even if you might not see the point of church. We are a digital church on a quest to discover how Jesus helps us live a more meaningful life, the kind of life that Jared's been talking about. We are a community, a space to explore the Christian faith and a place where you can contribute and grow and you are welcome at Crowd Church. Now be sure to subscribe to What's the Story wherever you get your podcast from because we've got some more great conversations lined up and you're not gonna wanna miss any of them, let me tell you. And in case no one has told you yet today, you are awesome. Yes, you are. You are created awesome. It's a burden you just have to bear. Jared has to bear it. I have to bear it. You've got to bear it as well. Uh, What's the Story is produced by Crowd Online Church. You can find our entire archive of episodes on your favorite podcast app. 
The team that makes this show possible is the wonderful, beautiful, talented Sadaf Bainon, uh, the amazing Estella Robin, we've got Tanya, we've got Tim, we've got jo everybody at the office, all legends. Uh, our theme song was written by Josh Edmondson. And if you would like to read the transcript or show notes, as I said, you can get them for free on the website, uh, whatsthestorypodcast.com. Uh, wait, like I say, you can also sign up for the weekly newsletter and get all of this good stuff direct to your inbox. That's it from me. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a fantastic week wherever you are. Uh, well, I'll see you next time. Bye for now.